Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. Uh, And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing uh, happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Whatever happened to the work of God, making God's work great again? You know, when you have professing Christians funding political causes, pet causes, false prophets, and fake churches, instead of the work of Christ, that is his great commission, friend, you've got full-blown a apostasy and destruction is near. Any person claiming to be a follower of Jesus and yet chooses not to be a part of his work in the earth is completely deceived. Such a self-serving person loves this world and his own life as a consumer of the fleeting things of this brief life and is not following Christ, is not abiding in Christ, personally participating in the great commission of Jesus that he commanded reveals that a person is a genuine follower of the Savior. Remember, Jesus said this, it's written in the end of Matthew 9, and Jesus, it says, went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and doing what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, isn't that the Mark rendition of the Great Commission that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel and then signs and wonders will follow? But it's going to be the important thing is to teach and to preach the word of God, the end of Matthew and the end of Mark. So Jesus is exemplifying such right here. And so the Great Commission is the extension of Christ, his ministry to the world and the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit and by the body of Christ. Notice that he went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. So Jesus taught the word of his kingdom and preaching, teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Notice the kingdom. That's the domain, D-O-M, of King Jesus. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. It's amazing how many people don't believe in the miraculous power of God today. That's absolute unbelief and wickedness. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to do it. All you got to do is ask him to do it. We just simply need to ask God to do it. Just pray. Ask and you shall shall receive in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Verse 36, Matthew 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd.
supper. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And yet we have people professing to be Christians that will support and waste their resources that God's giving them on any and everything except these laborers going forth to do the work of God. You know, if you're not called into full-time ministry, you're still responsible for and called to fund ministries that are truly of the Lord. Recently, I saw a YouTube channel of a couple of guys, young guys out there, and I relate because I did street ministry for several years or decades, actually. So these guys are definitely a blessing and they are being used of our Lord. They're out there preaching the Word of God on the streets. And don't you know that it's the Lord moving in and through these people that we see on an increasing basis going out to the streets and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a blessing? And oh, what a what a blessed opportunity that is for God's people to fund that, to make sure these guys, I can tell you right now, and I can say it straight now because I'm not in that capacity. I'm more of a servant to the body of Christ directly, although we're seeing people get saved all the time. A man named Mr. Charlie, probably 78, 80 years old, got gloriously saved just recently. You can look up the word Charlie on the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com and you will be greatly encouraged by that. And God wants to use every one of his people that way, every one of us to lead others to Jesus. And yet we can all be used to help fund the ministry of the Lord. In fact, 1 Samuel 30 verse 24 gives us kingdom insight that any and every one of the children of God that participate in any way, any way in the work of Christ are going to be rewarded eternally the same. Absolutely amazing. We see that also in the New Testament. Okay, so, so we are laborers together with God. Every believer, you, us, all of us are laborers together with God. 1 Corinthians 3, nine, we all do our part and some of us do more than one part and every one of us is going to be rewarded the same. What an incredible king we serve. Amen. So notice these young guys, they're going to the streets and preaching and it saddened me not to have the ministry funds to send to them. So, you know, I can remember we used to actually design, create, and write gospel tracks. I think we had, seemed like 25 of them when it was said and done. We still have about five available on safeguardyoursoul.com for people to request the PDF and have them printed right where they are at their local printers. We haven't been able to fund the printing of them in many, many, many years. And that's the point here, guys. I just am absolutely still shocked that these young men, I guarantee you, if you call them up and ask them if you could help them, you'd find that very few, if any, body is even helping them financially. You know, they have travel costs. They have hotel costs. They go from city to city, as Jesus sent his disciples. And we read about in the Gospels, Matthew 10, beginning in verse 1, etc. And anybody participating in that is going to get the same reward and be blessed by God now and in eternity, Mark 10. But it's 
it saddens me to think that these men who are preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ on the streets to the lost are not being properly funded. Now, you know, wouldn't it be a blessing to have the same quote-unquote problem that Moses had when they were constructing the tabernacle under the direction and instruction of the Lord to worship him? Notice Exodus 35 and 36. I've just extracted a few of the verses here. Now check it out. It says in verse 4 of the 35th chapter of Exodus. I want I want to encourage you to read Exodus 35 and 36. Notice, and Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. Notice, God looks for a and he delights in a cheerful giver, one who gives out of his own heart, not out of coercion or of necessity, but out of the loving worship and thanksgiving to God who gives him everything he has, which is the case for all of us. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Lord, James one seventeen. So same in the New Testament, Second Corinthians 9, 7, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. So Moses says, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, brass, etc. Verse 10, and every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded. And they, now in these chapters, you're going to find Exodus 35 and 36, that he speaks a lot about the actual servants of the Lord who were actually to construct the tabernacle. Now that's what we have today with those who are called out of God to do ministry set apart to the most important and only eternal work in the earth. And so here we go. Verse 21, and they came, every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, and many as were willing hearted, there we see it again, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings, tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Then chapter 36, and they, watch this, and they spake unto Moses, saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. In other words, they had so much that was given to them by the people of God out of a willing heart to do God's work that they had to tell them to stop because they had too much. Don't you wish? 
don't, I know every kingdom minded person would agree that wouldn't it be a blessed quote unquote problem to have too much supply to do the work of Christ. Now that's what a kingdom mindset would view this as. And yet on the contrary, we seem to have those who are muzzling the mouth of the ox or the oxen that God has sent forth to do his work in making the deliberate choice not to contribute out of a willing heart to this great commission work Jesus sent us to perform in this late hour, especially as we look for his soon return and for which we shall give account. And yet most of these present day church houses, which are nothing more than church businesses, won't lift a finger. And I can tell you by personal experience, they didn't care one lick that we were out on the streets preaching the gospel. People were getting saved. Literal Satanists were getting saved and getting on fire for Christ. Young people were taking just dozens or even hundreds of the gospel tracts and taking them into their schools and throughout the cities in which we ministered. And the word of God was spreading like wildfire. But these fake churches, not one of them, bothered to step up and help. It was individuals who stepped up and funded the work of God. People who understand the work of the kingdom as separated from the church world, the church businesses of this fallen world, which are there for their own self-serving aggrandizement and agenda and not Christ's work. You see, they don't care if you're getting people saved because their life is not about people being won into the kingdom of Christ and then fed, nourished, and equipped for the work of the ministry, but rather perpetuating their own church business existence. And so they don't ever donate to anybody or support anyone that is not promoting their church name brand. Isn't that interesting and very revealing? And so while we were doing this work, you know, there were definite expenses, had expenses, like as in printing expenses. Okay, expenses equal opportunity if you got a kingdom mindset. And that's what you're going to see in the days of Moses with all the different expenses they had and they're detailed in Exodus 35 and 36. And, you know, the people brought the money to Moses and then it went out to the workers, kind of like Moses was a type of Christ. We give as unto the Lord, we give to the Lord. Lord, and he uses it among his people that he's called out to do his work. Now, if you don't yet see this as a kingdom opportunity and blessing that God has given you, if you don't, you don't yet understand the kingdom of Christ and how it works. But I can tell you, there's no churches, none of them, none of that is going to be behind true gospel labors of Christ because they're really in two different kingdoms. And that's as, that couldn't be clear. You, when you see a kingdom opportunity, beloved, you should be jumping on it with both feet. Okay, and what is a true kingdom opportunity? Well, it takes nothing more than to go to the end of both of the first two gospels. Firstly, the teaching of the word of God, the kingdom truth of Jesus Christ to his people, end of the book of Matthew. And secondly, the book of Mark, at the end of Mark, Jesus gives the great commission command to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we summate the great commission as feeding the flock of God, first priority, and then also preaching to the lost to get them saved. Anything outside of that is not a work of the kingdom of Christ and should never be funded by his 
his own people. Yet today we have so many people professing Christ that are doing nothing more than funding a fraud or funding people who are building their own kingdoms. And they don't even realize it because they themselves are not in the word of God daily and aren't having their hearts sanctified and circumcised from all the evil that goes on in that which pretends to represent Christ. While being the very enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is their belly, according to the Apostle Paul in the end of Philippians 3, he's speaking there of false ministers and ministries, which have consumed, infiltrated, and litter the landscape of Western so-called Christianity, better known as churchianity, which is not advancing the kingdom of Christ. They're not preaching the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith, but rather are perpetuating their own existence. So notice how in the days of Moses, the people gave freely, generously, and of a willing heart. And this clearly coincides with what Paul was teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 concerning giving liberally and also out of a heart that is absolutely thankful to God. God loveth a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver, a person who gives out of worship, obedience, and gratitude to God to see his work furthered in the hearts of the people of God and among the lost to lead them to Jesus. And so if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you give bountifully, you're going generously, you're going to reap bountifully. Second Corinthians chapter nine, there will be some who are angered by this message. And may I so boldly state and suggest that it's always those who give the least who complain the most. Ministries today, the true, the few true ministries today are a gift from God to you and are in need of the members of the body of Christ to stand up and fund them. We are laborers. Read it carefully. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We, that's you and I, all of us as members of the body of Christ, are laborers together with God. Okay, so perhaps we can say that this message is not only about making the work of God important and great again, but also making the giving to the work of God great again. The highest most prioritized work in the earth is the work of God, the only eternal work, and God wants his people to aggrandize it for what it is. It's his work. He's called out certain men who are imperfect, but yet he's ordained and prepared them, and they are teaching and preaching his word, feeding and equipping his saints for the work of his ministry. And nothing is more important that's transpiring in the earth than that work. And how shall they go except they be sent? Romans 10, 14 and 15. We can't keep any longer silent on this matter. I know it's difficult for preachers to preach on stewardship if they're truly of God, because, you know, you're always going to be blamed for just wanting people's money. Well, I can tell you this by personal experience. And if you interview anybody who's endeavoring to preach the full kingdom of God and not leaving things out. In other words, they preach repentance, hell, judgment to come, the crucified life, the nail-scarred risen Savior, holiness, and the essential nature of personal holiness to be with Christ eternally, etc. When you're preaching that, you're never going to have the issue of having too much funding. But if you don't preach those things, you're going to be funded out of this world, live in a gated community, drive expensive vehicles, etc. That's just how the Bible predicts 
predicted it would be in these final days especially. That is as in the days of the prophet Isaiah where the people called out for the false prophets to give them smooth things to not speak the truth of God to them about judgment to come on all who are living in wickedness. Also the apostle Paul said that there would be counterfeit false believers who in the last days would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they would be led down the road to eternal destruction by myths or stories, fables, and turn away from the truth of God to their own eternal destruction. But we, you and I, as brothers in Christ, my fellow men of God, I say, I speak to, you cannot afford not to preach the whole counsel of God, which would include the essential prevalent doctrine of stewardship. Because, you know, the way we spend our money is a direct reflection of the priorities of our hearts. Jesus said, for where your treasure is there, will your heart be also. See, a man's heart is seen in what he funds or spends the majority of his money on. The Bible speaks of faith, which we all know is absolutely essential in the divine economy. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews 11, 6 is shown to be enlisted in the Bible 500 times. So faith is, but yet stewardship is seen 2,500 times. In fact, about half of Jesus's parables include and involve stewardship. Recently, a sister who is a faithful worker of Christ and supported by this outreach, by the way, we we do fund and help supply on a regular basis ministering disciples all over the country. And she said something to me that further emphasizes the dismal effects of being exhausted and how it hinders the Lord's work. I would say exhausted and underfunded. You know, when the workers, the laborers Christ has sent forth are lacking, they are unduly tempted to look outside the work of Christ's kingdom to try to make up for what's lacking in the provision, what God calls this is muzzling or a starving out of the very oxen who are plowing the fields daily and doing the eternal work of Christ in the earth. Remember, 1 Corinthians 9 speaks of, the first 14 verses speak of not muzzling the mouth of the oxes, the oxes being those who are plowing the fields of the work of doing the work of God daily. It says that the soldier or the military men don't go to war of their own funding. You can read that chapter, 1 Corinthians 9. Notice it says in verse 9 and 10, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Now in the days of the children of Israel, the Levites, the Levitical priesthood, were one of the twelve tribes who were called out of God to do the work of God on a full-time basis. They did the worship and work of God. They worshiped God full-time and gave out, fed the flock of God out from there, first vertically, then horizontally. They were set apart to the work of God. The apostles of Christ said, we must give ourselves continually to prayer and to the work of of God. I believe that's Acts chapter 6, verse 4. So there is the biblical case for full-time ministry. In fact, nothing, no work in the earth could be possibly or even remotely as important as the work of God. So how much more should it be full-time? If any work deserves full-time attention, it would have to be the work of God. Notice, but we will give ourselves 
continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice vertical, then horizontal. But they gave themselves continually to prayer and to the work of God. And that's when they selected seven deacons so that they could not be disturbed in the most important endeavor in the earth. And that's the work of God, the worship and the work of God. And remember, while on earth, Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. Anyone who's truly following Jesus prioritizes first and foremost the work of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. Luke 2.49, 1 Corinthians 9, 9 and 10 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. You shall not starve out your oxen, in other words. That would be like in modern day, not putting gas in the tractors that the farmers have. They've got the equipment, in other words, to get food to you and to everybody else. But picture this, that there we are refusing to give them the funding so they can put the gas in those pieces of equipment that actually harvest the food that we all eat. To try to bring it up into a modern day example, that's what Paul's saying here, for years and actually for thousands of years before we had modern technology, the oxen would plow the fields so that there could be seed planted and crops grown and food harvested for the people. So he's speaking of the detriment, the absolute insanity of muzzling the mouth of an ox. That's like some people still use animals all over the world to reap the harvest of the crops of the people so they and others can eat. And wouldn't it be insanity for them to starve out those oxen to where those oxen are shriveling up and don't have the energy and the fuel to do that work, which brings such a great blessing of the food that they all eat? That would be insanity, right? And so what he's saying is that God ordains and commands that we feed his oxen or we fuel the workers that he has sent forth to do his work. And he promises to bless those both now and forever who do such. Then he says, Doth God take care for oxen? Of course, the implication is yes. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. He's speaking to the compensation to the ministers of Christ, those that are truly called out and are doing his work, endeavoring to preach the full counsel of the original gospel. And as mentioned earlier, as an example, the good gospel laborers who are going to the streets and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. Another example would be those who are putting King James Bibles and good ministry resources with sound doctrine into the hearts and souls of the incarcerated. Those are worthy causes to be funded by the body of Christ. What an opportunity. Amen. Okay, so when we have a truly King mindset, when our heart affections are set on things above, not on the things of this earth. And by the way, the Bible says it only guarantees that it's those that are going to be ready when Christ returns. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. Notice if, notice if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life 
life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice those that are setting their affection on things above. They're crucified with Christ. They are going to appear with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And who's the promise made to? Well, it's made to those who have their affection set on things above, not on the things of the earth. And think about it. When all our money is going to and flowing into the things of this world and entrenching ourselves in the fleeting trinkets of this fleeting world, and we show ourselves to be those who are in great need of repentance. This, let me, let's look at what we see among the earliest believers in Christ to be the importance of priority in their lives as far as their stewardship went. Notice, what did the lives of the earliest followers of Jesus look like? Notice the end of Acts 2 and the end of Acts chapter 4. Though this may be a scary picture, let me suggest that this is what the the lives of those look like who truly get saved. Let us be reminded that true repentance always is always reflected in the changed lives of those who truly repent. It always is going to cause there to be a bringing forth fruit meet for or consistent with true repentance, Matthew 3, 7 through 10. Okay, here's what true salvation looks like. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. All that believed and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. In other words, the body of Christ made sure every member of the body of Christ was fully taken care care of. That's Acts 2, 44 and 45. Notice they sold their possessions and goods. In other words, the things they didn't need, the excess, and parted them to all men as every man had need. All right. The, uh, the end of Acts 4, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. In other words, those who get saved, the fruit of that is going to be that they're going to see everything they own as something that is of God. It's his, not theirs. First Chronicles 29, 14 says, all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. That's the same principle. Those that serve the Lord realize that everything in their possession, their temporary possession, is God's and not their own. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power, notice the effect of this, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now, I would think this also is speaking about when he says, For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, that the excess was liquidated so that they could help the work, the workers, and the family of Christ's kingdom. That seems to be the import. You can study that out if you wish. But I believe, saints, it's time to MGWGA, and that would be to make God's work great again. It's the only eternal work in the earth. And let's go ahead and close with Romans chapter 10. We're going to read verse 14 and 15, as we mentioned earlier. Notice it says here, And whosoever, verse 13, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call? 
call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach, that is, the preachers, those sent forth, except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Heavenly Father, let's pray, saints. Heavenly Father, we pray that right now in the name of Jesus that you would forgive us for our sins of our sin of self-idolatry and of spiritual adultery, Lord, where we have not been crucified with Christ and setting our affection on things above. But Lord, we do that now. We turn to you right now with a whole heart and we lay the axe to the root. We ask you, Lord, to anoint us now to the crucifixion of self and the self-life, that we would raise our affections on things above. We would set them on things above right now and not on the things of this earth, not on obtaining more trinkets and fleeting frivolity, but on the things of God, your things, O God. Anoint us and unite our hearts to fear thy holy name as we look for your soon return, Lord Jesus. Let our hands be on the plow of your work, Lord, because you warned that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with uh, uh, several, many books on there for your uh, edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands uh, of saints and sinners are being reached every month. And uh, your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit uh, our donate page on the site. And uh, uh, you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach uh, is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and uh, all over the world. And uh, may God be praised that uh, there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together, In the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.